0: Well, it's funny to me that we were talking about the CPUSA and this guy's little cult relationship to it, trying to, like, do a hostile takeover, I guess, of the CPUSA. That's what a lot of these people in this milieu are still trying to do. And and maybe even they might succeed at some point in time. Because, like they want to repeat and this sort of fetishized form of like Browderism, like um, communism is 21st century Americanism, right? Yeah. And it, 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 it's spectacle and it's like political party action and it's, uh, you know, having the right program and platform, being populist enough to like collapse left and right or whatever. When the real tremendous and amazing thing that the CPUSA did and obviously the greatest effect they had on American history was that communists in the 1930s were by far the best union organizers that existed in this country. You know, it's there, there's like a joke I was reading about the labor history of the 1930s again, and there was a joke about how the communists were the best organizers. If only you could get the Daily Worker out of their back pocket, they were <laughs> constantly going and they were organizing new unions, radical militant unions, organizing direct action, all sorts of strike activity and slowdowns and shutdowns and sitdowns. And then, of course, this is tied to like the larger political program. But for a time in the 1930s, that that was subordinated to the actual workers movement that they had had, yeah. had been creating of course as we know like when the popular front breaks down that sort of um you know cripples the labor movement in the united states because all the best organizers end up getting thrown out of the unions as communists but yeah. imagine if instead of fetishizing like the the um, Madison Square Garden rally with Lincoln's yeah. head next to Lenin's head—they were fetishizing the sort of like grassroots militant union organizing capabilities of the CPUSA in the
1: 1930s. Or now, you know, that'd the, be something the CPUSA today, which was a big part of organizing the Amazon Union yeah. or or, ma- or helping the Amazon Union win in Staten Islands. That's true. Yeah, and you know I I, I don't young. have a lot positive to say about the politics of the CPUSA uh, today or or any time. In the last century but uh they did that and you got to give them credit there yeah and I, you know i think that this like cpi kind of tendency is like they're trying an extra- interesting experiment which is like what if we get tucker carlson fans yeah. into communism but the way they're doing it is just parroting all their talking points and saying communists agree with you, which is just not true.
0: And they make such a social media slash mainstream media um, fallacy. Like the, the principle they start as a fallacy, which is that the Republican party and MAGA and Trump is the true organic expression of working class politics. Yeah. The they United hate the States, working class, which is insane. You know, yeah. like it's neither Democrat nor Republican to be working class. It's in sure. this country. It's actually largely apolitical. but mm-hmm. so then they find themselves tailing and aping, and creating this very eclectic mix of like populist um, talking points that just like every other form of politics you see on Twitter or on Facebook or on Twitch or on YouTube, just completely divorced from any sort of organic connection to anything besides like maybe vote for this particular candidate, vote for like the weird Laroucheite running for state senate in New York, you
2: know. So you mentioned Malpin separated these uh, members of the CPI from their families
1: well there was a, a text where uh, I, I forgot the exact context of it they were like I want to go home and see my family instead of doing this and and Malpins like well look you can you can do that you're welcome to do that but like your role for this party is you have to you have to go to this event so you have to choose whether you want to fight for communism or see your family wow. and I mean First of all, that's not something that's like out of line for any boss to tell you. Mm. Like, if you are like, "Oh, I can't go to work today. I have Mm. to see. I want to go see my family," like they'll tell you, you can't. Your duty is to show up to work. And to an extent, if you are a professional revolutionary, it's your job. So, I don't want to be in an organization like that. You know, I wouldn't want to start an organization like that. But that just is the history of being like a a Leninist militant.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know if this is a sort of natural segue for it. But I mean, the uh, other thing I've been researching, uh, kind of lately that Sean alluded to earlier is, uh, the history of Marxism and, uh, its orientation toward the institution of the family, mm. um, which has been a hot topic of debate, um, across the Marxist left, um, uh, in, you know, the last few years, um, there are those I've noticed, uh, recently who, uh, are putting forth the sort of abolish the family slogan. Um, And there are those who, uh, on the other hand, uh, uphold the sanctity of the family as a sort of foundational principle and see uh, capitalism as degrading family life and sort of depriving workers of uh, the comforts of the family or whatnot. Um, That's um, what I I was asked. uh, In fact, uh, Sean was, I don't know if you uh you talked about uh the panel you were Oh yeah, you 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 uh
0: we, we did a little episode about the sublation panel. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um when I was there I met up with uh Spencer Leonard, who uh is the editor of their uh magazine, the Sublation magazine, and he asked me if I wanted to uh write anything for them. I know him from back in my days in Platypus. He's probably you know, he's among my favorite uh, members of that organization, I always found them very uh, serious and interesting and uh, funny. And uh, so he asked me if I wanted to write anything. So that's what I've been focusing on lately. I kind of want to stake out a position that's kind of like in the middle, uh, um, probably a bit more harsh, uh, harshly critical of those who see the family as something to be, as something that's sacred and needs to be protected or anything like that. Uh, in in some ways, I do see like the current like debates around it as kind of rehashing debates in the seventies between mm. feminists like Mary McIntosh and Michelle Barrett, and people like Christopher Lash and uh, this uh, Foucauldian theorist uh, Jacques D'Anzolo. Um But it's a rich history that really stretches back to you know the utopian socialists Fourier and uh, people like Robert Owen, who influenced Marx a lot, and a lot of. It's actually surprisingly rich. I think some of the family abolitionists today actually underestimate the extent to which the Marxist tradition had a lot to say about it or see it as something that only people like Alexandra Kolontai uh, theorized about. Uh, Otto Rula, the left communist theorist, wrote a book on the proletarian child where he talked about um, the coming abolition of the family. Anton Panikok had a um, an article about it. Uh, Bordiga, you know, really was adamant that communism meant the destruction of the family once and for all. Um,
0: But all these uh, thinkers that you're talking about are all ones that became the fringe, right. Of Marxism in the 20th century, because of course, as the 1920s and 1930s progress, you know, the sort of closure of this discursive space that is Marxism happens. It's like the left communists are pushed to the side and,
2: Yeah. And even within Russia, like, you know, Trotsky wrote about, like, you know, Thermidor and the family that resulted in the 1930s, the reversal of a lot of the sort of radical policies that uh, the Bolsheviks had adopted by Stalin, uh, upholding, you know, the proletarian mother and the family unit as the strength of the nation, of the socialist fatherland. Um, There were a lot of theorists at the time besides Kolontai, there was a guy, uh, Semyon Wolfson. And, um, you know, uh, Yevgeny Prair Brzezinski, he was an ally of Trotsky, and Trotsky himself had a lot that was very radical to say. Uh, The Frankfurt School had a lot, you know, they wrote some studies in the 30s on authority in the family, and there's a lot there. So I'm, you know, I'm looking to write about that. I do, you know, I, you know, it's interesting to having, you know, I, I was just married. So I'm looking... Prob- it's a
0: wonderful wedding. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming. It was it was great having you guys there. And um, yeah, I'm looking to start a family myself. But I mean, it's interesting to look at this in a, in a historical perspective, just to talk about just modes of organization. Um, you know, for many people, of course, the family is not a, a place of respite. For many people, it is. Uh, trying to carve out a sort of reasonable space that's not sort of immediatist like let you know the family must be destroyed and not saying like you know family and tradition family and fatherland and tradition god family and you know whatever uh need to be you know defended or protected from commie degenerates or whatever um I'm
0: thinking of like a a guy, like I just invented a guy who's who's a communist and he's like, yeah, me and my wife, we're figuring out, you know, we're we're thinking about having a family and we're figuring out how we want to do it. And instead of him picking up like 10 rules to child rearing, he picks up like abolish the family. (laughs) (laughs) Hey folks, Sean KB here. Uh, Just a reminder that our show relies on your support. So if you enjoy what we do and you want to hear more excellent bonus content you can become a patron at patreon.com theantifada the antifada it's cheap there's a ton of content and it would mean everything to us so thank you and we'll see you behind the paywall